0: contemplate. If uh, I stood up here with a water balloon, threw it into the air, maybe a couple water balloons, one for each side, and shouted, watch out, you would know the kind of danger that you're in, right? You'd know you'd be in danger of getting wet. I thought about actually doing that, but I didn't want to get in trouble with the trustees or the custodians or with my wife who would be embarrassed thoroughly if I did that, not to mention all the folks who got wet. But you know the kind of danger that you're in, and and you would most likely know what to do about that danger. You know, get out of the way of those balloons, Um, get as far away as you possibly can from them. Well, we find that in the midst of the personal greetings and reminders with which Paul closes His letter to the Romans, Uh, he reminds them of what it means to be in the Lord, and he uh, reminds them of his concern and his love for them. But we find in the midst of all that a warning, a watch out. Uh, And we find that there's something very important that he needs to warn them about. It's a serious warning. It's a warning often repeated in the Word of God, both Old Testament and New Testament. It's a warning which is very relevant for Christians in 2018. It's not real popular among preachers. You don't hear a whole lot of sermons on the kind of warning that the Apostle Paul gives here in the last verses of the book of Romans. It's not very appealing to the people in the pews. It's not a a positive thing. It's kind of got a, a negative slant to it. People don't like the negative. But you know, there are some negatives. Just as there is a a heaven to gain, there is a a hell to shun. And hell needs to be preached about just as much as heaven needs to be preached about. But we find that uh, the, the warning that's given here is a warning against false teachers. Those who divide by distorting and rejecting the gospel message, the gospel message which says that we are saved by grace alone through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The common idea today is that people get saved by just doing the best they can, being sincere. And if you do that, you get before God and you'll be accepted into glory. That sounds nice. It's not biblical. It's not what God has told us. We're saved by grace through faith. And there are those that today distort the gospel message. They want to tell us that there are many ways to God. There are many gods that can even get you into heaven. The Bible says there is one God, and there's one way for us to be right with God, one way for us to get into heaven, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. These false teachers also distort the word of God. As he, he gives the warning here in verse 17, he says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. Here, here's the problem they, they uh, cause divisions and, and offenses that run contrary to the teachings of Scripture, they run contrary to the teachings and doctrines of the apostles which now we have recorded for us in the Word of God. Don't have any apostles around anymore. But thank God we have the writings that God gave to us in our Testament, our New Testament that came primarily through the apostles and those very closely associated with the apostles as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit of God to get down on paper what we have in our, in our Bibles, in the original autographs of which we now have translations and, and, and copies. But as we consider that this warning that we have, there are four factors that we want to look at this morning, as laid out in this passage of Scripture, related to this very serious warning. It's a serious warning, because the thing that's at stake is the souls of people, the eternal souls of people. When you believe the wrong thing, it can affect your eternity. You can, you can believe that taking a, a particular remedy is going, to, is going to cure you from something, But if it's poison, it's not going to cure you. It's going to kill you. If you believe the wrong things about God and the the, the wrong things about how we get right with God, it, it can affect your soul for all of eternity. So we're talking about a very serious warning. And the first thing we find is the people to whom Paul's given this warning. And it's some dear relations that he's warning here. Brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ are the ones being warned. Those that have a a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They also have a relationship with Paul, and they are, are warned urgently and strongly. And we think about the kind of things that Christians can, should be warned about. You know, there are some things that if you really know Christ as your Savior, we don't need to be warned about. If you really know Christ, we don't need to be warned that we're going to go to hell, that somehow we're going to lose our salvation that God's given to us, out of His amazing grace, and we're going to go to hell. We we don't need that warning. We don't need to be warned about the loss of of salvation. That would run contrary to the Scripture. But there are some things we do need to be warned against. We need to be warned about the possibility of ruining our testimony. We need to be warned about the possibility of a, a ruined or wasted life where we don't really make our lives count for eternity. We need to be warned about the loss of the message of truth truth can be distorted truth is under attack and and truth will will continue to be under attack and and we need to contend for the faith we need to contend to the truth we need to make sure that we we have the truth and we're hanging on to the truth and, and, and know why we believe that what we have is true we need to be we need to be warned about the possibility of losing the joy of our salvation and we need to be warned about the influence of false teachers false teachers are out there and they could affect you and me as Christians. we listen to the wrong people they could lead us astray can they take our salvation away? no but you can certainly lose the joy of your salvation you can lose your effectiveness for Christ as far as living a life for him and you can lose the ability to really make your life count for eternity. So this, this is warnings that are, are pertinent to us just like they were to the people to whom Paul is, is addressing himself here in Romans chapter 16. And he warns them strongly, urgently. And the, uh, the reality, the danger that he warns them against is spelled out for us also in verse 17. It's those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn. He warns us and warns the readers there in, in Rome about those who would come in and teach things that were contrary to what Christ taught and things that were contrary to what the apostles taught and uh, those that uh, are, are going to lead people astray. That, that's the warning about false teachers that are going to come along. And these are, are warnings that are given repeatedly in Scripture. As I said, there, there's not a ton of preaching or teaching done on that subject because, you know, it, it just, it's just not a real popular thing for people to hear about. But false teachers are a very real danger that are out there and have been out there as well. We find in a number of passages of Scripture, the, the warnings come. We have them in the Old Testament where false prophets are are warned about. We have Jesus speak in the Gospel of Matthew, where he says, Beware of false prophets who come into come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In verse 20, in chapter twenty four, verse twenty four. He says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the very elect. Jesus warned about false teachers coming, false prophets coming on the scene. Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul meets with the uh, leaders of the church in Ephesus, in Miletus, as he's on his way to to Jerusalem. And, And Paul, as it turns out, is going to be arrested there in Jerusalem. And he's not going to get to see these folks again, and he's aware of that fact. And one of the things he chooses to do is to warn them. He warns them in verse in, in chapter twenty, verse starting in verse twenty-seven. Paul says, "For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood." Telling those church leaders, lead the church along. And he also tells them, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that I've taught you. Philippians chapter 3. Uh, verses 18 and 19, Paul says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. First Timothy chapter 4, Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines, of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and and know the truth. We could go on, but you get the idea? Repeatedly in Scripture there are warnings false teachers are coming. It's going to happen, and that's what we find here in this passage here in Romans chapter 16. False teachers are on the way. Those who are going to teach things that are contrary to what the apostles taught. Those that teach things that are contrary to what Jesus taught. Those who teach things that are contrary to what the Bible teaches. How do you know truth from error? Well, let me tell you, this book is truth. And anything that runs contrary to it is error. If this book says that there's one way to God and one way to heaven... Then anybody that says there's many ways to heaven is in error. Now, that may not sound nice to be disagreeing with people, but let's face it, folks anything that runs contrary to truth is error. Anything that comes contrary to that which is right is what? It is wrong. It is wrong. And there are people running around this world teaching wrong things in churches in churches in seminaries in Bible schools and one of our great scourges in the world today on the internet I'll tell you what there's anything and everything that's being promoted on the internet out there and the sad thing is no matter how crazy of a doctrine how crazy of a belief somebody comes up with somebody will follow them somebody will believe them why did 900 people drink the Kool-Aid down in Guyana with James Jones, they followed a false teacher who slept with young girls, multiple young girls, and, and, and taught things contrary to the Word of God. But people followed him, followed him to their very deaths. A uh, sad, sad situation. So we find that the, the, the danger is, is, is real. It's, it's given repeatedly in Scripture. And, and we find that it's a warning which is proven to be absolutely necessary as well because all we have to do is, is look at, at what has happened in the world today we've had the development of of works religion in romanism and in in other groups now, we find that big problems came along for the early church when uh it, the the christianity was recognized as the official religion of the roman empire by constantine uh, it, you say that that sounds like a pretty good thing for that to happen. The only problem is, the the church developed some false doctrines. They started to teach that you could be saved by being baptized as a baby, and they they began to teach that you you, you had to be in the good graces of the church in order to be right with God. That was salvation was through the church. Salvation was through the rituals. Salvation was through the sacraments. And when they the the Roman government, the Roman Empire, recognized Christianity as the official official religion of the Roman Empire, people began to get persecuted by the state if they didn't go along with these false teachings of the church. And and this continued on into the the medieval times, the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages. And in fact, sadly, people were kept in, in ignorance. Just follow along with with what you're being told. And don't don't ask questions. Don't create problems. Go along with the the party line here. And that went on for several hundred years. And what a sad thing that is that 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 took place. Now, this, this work salvation is still around today, isn't it? In fact, you go to the average person on the street that doesn't know a whole lot about the Bible and ask them, how are you going to get to heaven? They're going to say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to be a good person. And if I'm a good enough person, I'll make it. If I'm not, then I won't. Well, when do you find out? Well, <laughs> I guess when you stand before God. That's a little bit late. Aren't you glad that's not when we find out? Aren't you glad it's possible for us to know today that we have eternal life if we, if we repent of our sin and believe in the promises of God? Uh, we find that uh, after the, the the dark ages, we find the Reformation came on the scene. And the, the, the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith well, was recognized once again. There were, there were those that had always had hung on to it, but they were persecuted severely. But we find Martin Luther and John Calvin and, and Swingley and, and Melanchthon and, and a good number of others were involved in in promoting salvation by grace through by grace through faith again and and the standard for belief being the bible not the bible and the traditions of the church but rather the bible after a time we find in the 18th and 19th centuries the a the renaissance came on the scene learning began to take place quite a bit again but there Sadly, one of the things that came along with the Renaissance were were, were leaders like Voltaire and John Locke, Rousseau, Kant, Darwin, Marx, Karl Marx, Sigmund Freud, Julius Wellhausen. And in each of these men, there was one thing in common. They exalted human reason above the revelation of Scripture. They, They subjected the Scripture to man's decisions. Man decided what was true in this book and what wasn't. Man decided what you accept and what you don't accept. We need to accept the whole Bible, even the parts we don't understand as being the authoritative Word of God. But at any rate, what happened was you had the, the age of rationalism come into play, and along with that, you had modernism, and you had liberalism come on the scene where, where once you leave the Word of God behind, there's no... No control really on how far out of whack you can go. And Europe was plunged into that modernism and that liberalism and, and still is feeling the effects of that today. If you ever bump into a missionary to Europe, talk to him about how difficult it is. There is a, a, a climate of spiritual darkness in many, many places on the continent of Europe. And we're sending missionaries to to the the countries of the Reformation. How ironic is that? But we're doing it. We find that this modernism, liberalism, this false teaching, also has affected American Christianity. We find that this rationalism was was being taught in the universities and the uh, theological schools of Europe, prestigious ones that that had been around for hundreds of years and that there were American theological students that wanted to go to some of these prestigious schools over in Europe and they went over there and studied and what happened is they got infected with this this rationalism, this liberalism and they brought it back to this country and this country has been affected by it and sadly some of these people began to teach in some of the seminaries and the schools of this country, and, and schools and university that were founded originally to train men for the gospel ministry, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, swallowed this hook, line, and sinker and, and became bastions of theological and social and, and even political liberalism. Schools like Harvard, Princeton, Princeton University, Yale, yeah, those were all started to found to, to train men for the gospel ministry. When you think of those schools now, what do you think of? I'll tell you what, if you go to their divinity schools, you're not going to hear about the inerrancy of Scripture. You're not going to hear about the deity of Jesus Christ. You're not going to hear about salvation by grace through faith. Well, what happened is the, the social gospel became the big thing. You you, uh, just try to to make your time better down here and you just try to make life better for others. And so there was a, a battle that raged in the United States of America between those who still believed in the fundamentals of the Christian faith. We're not talking here about differences over prophetic issues, things like that. We're talking about the core fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith which have been rejected And virtually, it's been it's affected every denomination, that there's including the Baptists. There there are are Baptists today that stand behind pulpits and do not believe in the literal resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, One named Nels Ferrier taught in one of the Eastern Baptist, one of the American Baptist schools, and he made the statement he did not believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ that Jesus was the bastard son of a German mercenary soldier in in Israel. Isn't that pathetic? And that man was training others to go into the ministry. And a battle raged with those fighting for the fundamentals and those that were rejecting the fundamental cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith. And and what happened, every denomination was affected. And denominations split. And and you had had groups like the, the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches. Regular, meaning they still stood for the orthodox doctrines of the faith. You had a group like the Independent Fundamental Churches of America come into existence. You have Bible Presbyterians and Reformed Presbyterians that stood for the truth and and broke away from some of the other mainline denominations. You have Evangelical Methodists that took their their stand for things. and, And denominations divided. This church had been part of the American Baptist Convention. And back in the 50s, a godly pastor and, and group of people pulled out of that because of the false teachings that were going on in that denomination in their, in their schools. And we became an independent Baptist church, and we fellowship with the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches. But this church has been affected by that false doctrine that uh, was going on in the denomination that, that the church was part of at one time. So there, there was... A, Warnings proved to be absolutely necessary. And the, the battle hasn't stopped today. We still are fighting for God's truth. And the fact of the matter is this makes for a very confusing religious landscape today. And in fact, if you say every denomination has been affected, then, then how do you figure out what church to be a part of? Well, you know what? You need to find out what any individual church believes. And you need to find out what any particular pastor believes. Find out what they believe. What do they be- and you, you can ask them about a, a couple of things. What do they believe about the inerrancy and the authority of the Bible? What do they believe about the deity of Jesus Christ? Do they believe in a literal, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? You start asking questions like that, and somebody's him hawing around, and they don't just give you a flat-out, yes, I do. <laughs> I believe in the inerrancy and the authority of Scripture. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is fully God and fully man. I believe without a doubt that He rose from the dead on the third day, showed Himself for 40 days to the people on the earth down here to prove his, He was resurrected, and then He ascended to heaven. And what's going to happen one of these days? He's coming back. He's coming back. But uh, if you find somebody that's hymn hawing around on those things, any church, in her doctrinal statement, and any individual, be careful. And I just want to say that I am very thankful. First Baptist Church is called Pastor Mark Heron to be the next pastor because he is a man who is doctrinally solid as a rock. He believes in the inerrancy of Scripture as strongly as I do. He believes in the deity of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, just as this church has taught for hundred and some years that it's been in existence and I I am so thankful so thankful for that he's every bit as committed to the scriptures and the deity and lordship of Jesus and the gospel of grace as I am and as the Apostle Paul was and as the Bible is that's a good thing that's a good thing so the dangers warned against why is the danger warned against Because it's so real and and it has has had such an impact upon the professing church down through the centuries. So that today we live in an age we might call the age of apostasy where the church that once stood for the the cardinal doctrines of the faith so many of those churches have departed from it. And they're not teaching those things. They they teach a social gospel. A liberal gospel. Uh, We find that Okay, what are we told to do? If that's the case, here's the warning. It's nice when somebody gives you a warning that, that there's a danger out there. They also tell you, what do you do about that? Okay, if the danger's there, what do you do? Well, we find that the, the counsel is given here in, in verse 17. He says, first of all, I urge you strongly, brethren, note those who cause divisions. In in the New King James, it's noted. In in the Old King James, it's marked them. It's watch out for in the ESV and the NIV. It's keep your eye on in the New American Standard translation. In in the Greek Testament, the the word is, is scope. We get our English word scope from it that's part of microscope and telescope. And what do you do with one of those things? You examine closely. He says, Take a good look at these men who are causing divisions, teaching contrary things, and in taking a good look at them, watch out for them. Be careful of them. And then he goes on, and we find that we're not told here, do physical harm. One of the biggest smirches on church history is when the church has been connected with the state and people have been killed and tortured, because they believe something contrary to the state church or that particular country that they happen to be, to be living in. God doesn't tell you and me to kill people that don't believe the same way we do about the fundamentals of the faith. God will take care of them. What are we supposed to do? We mark them. We watch out for them. And then it goes on, and he also says, avoid them. Don't work together with them. Don't cooperate with them. This is why we are not part of the ecumenical movement. And God help us, I pray we never will be. Because you've got, within the, in the ecumenical movement, people that just say, set aside your differences about the deity of Christ. We all talk about the name Jesus. That's the important thing. Well, in many churches where they use the name Jesus, they're talking about a different Jesus than what we have in the Bible. There are those that believe that this Jesus was just a man. And my Bible doesn't say Jesus was just a man. He's the God man who is fully God, fully man, went to the cross of Calvary and died for me. And we're not to, we're not to work together with those that, that that reject the word of God and the Orthodox Christian faith. We're not to cooperate with them. And we have all kinds of scriptural teaching saying the, the, the same thing. And I'll leave the scriptures up there. I'm going to read some of those, but we we don't have time to do that. But basically, it it repeats again and again and again. Avoid such people. Mark such people. Stay away from such people as far as leaders. And and, and don't cooperate with them. Don't help them in the things that they are are doing. And why? Why? Uh, Why should we do it? Well, a number of reasons. First of all, because of... Who controls such false teachers? They're not not serving under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. They follow their own desires, their their own wishes. And and the bottom line is they're also controlled by Satan. They're messengers of Satan. And and the sad thing is these false teachers uh, sometimes are very attractive, very persuasive, and, and can be very, very effective. You know, some people might say, well, we should bring in somebody from one of these liberal churches, and we should have him do some teaching here and, and, and reveal to us what, what, where he believes and where he's at. We're not going to do that. Why not? Because some of these folks seem to be very nice people. And they can be very, very persuasive in the things that they said. And let's face it, folks. You and I can be affected by the personality of somebody that's talking to us, right? You know, they get nice people to put on advertisements and commercials, don't they? People they think that you will, you'll trust and you'll be persuaded to buy into the things that they have to say. So it's because of the attractiveness of the false teachers and the effectiveness. In verse 18, it says, For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the simple and you know you and i could be a simple christian and we could be deceived if we listen to the wrong people that's what happened with some of these folks from from our country that had gone over to some of these european schools and were so influenced by the liberalism over there and brought it to the schools here in the united states We uh, also have a testimony. Paul compliments the Romans here. He says, Your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Sometimes people think you have to learn wrong things by experiencing it. You need to talk to some of these false teachers and listen to all they have to say to give them a hearing. He's saying, Here, We need to be wise in the things that are are true. And we don't have to learn evil by experience. And we don't have to subject ourselves to false teaching. And certainly, we don't want to subject our children to false teaching. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you check out on the Internet. There's all kind of false teaching that's out there today. And uh, the, the good news is, that uh, God's ultimately the one that's going to be victorious. I'll tell you something today. Those who are, are contradicting the truth of the deity of Christ and the inerrancy of Scripture, they're on the losing side. You know where they got those ideas? Those, those things are doctrines of demons that came from Satan himself. Satan, one of Satan's key tactics that he used is to attack Satan the word of God, attack what God says. In the garden of Eden, what did the devil do? He came to Eve, and he says, has God said? And starts out casting some doubt on what God said about that fruit. And once the doubt's cast, then he, then he begins to cast dispersions about God. Well, well, if you eat that fruit, then God knows you'll be as wise as he is. and God doesn't want that. So, God and the Word of God are attacked. That's one of Satan's key tactics. And we're told that he sometimes makes himself like an angel of light. And you've got to be careful about it. But the good news is, as it tells us in verse 20, it says, The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. You know, why would you want to follow Satan? Why would you want to follow any of the false teaching? It's lies. And Satan is is a loser with a capital L. He's doomed. I'll take my stand with God. I'll take my stand with the Bible. In Genesis 3.15 it says that the, the, the seed of the woman, that's Jesus, would one day have his heel bruised by Satan. And he did. When he died for our sins on the cross at Calvary. But he said the seed of the woman, that's Jesus, would crush the head of the devil. Guess who wins? Like the guy said, I read the end of the book. God wins. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. God wins. God wins. He's got the ultimate victory. And thank God, if we're standing with Christ, we're standing with the Word of God, we're on the side of victory. We're the overcomers, not because we're so smart, not because we're so powerful, but we're following an all-wise, all-powerful Savior. Satan's main tactic, attack God, is truth. It starts with questioning the trustworthiness of the Word of God. What do we do? You want to be protected from being influenced? Continue to stand on the firm foundation of the written word of God, which is the Bible, and the incarnate word of God, who is Jesus Christ himself. Fact of the matter, folks. Jesus and the Bible are what we need. And if anybody starts casting doubt on the sufficiency of the word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ himself, run away from them. (laughs) Avoid them. Mark them. Don't hurt them. Don't strangle them. You might feel like doing that. But get away from them. Stick with what is absolutely true and been proven down through the centuries. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for a risen and living Savior who we can follow today, who has claimed to be God in the flesh, who has proven himself to be God in the flesh. And Father, help us to be careful of the dangers that are out there. Help us to be so committed and obsessed with the truth of your word that we would recognize error whenever we would see it and we would get away from it. Father, I thank you for the fact that this church has been proclaiming the truths of the scriptures and the truths of Jesus Christ as Savior since 1876. Thank you that they weathered, this church weathered the storm back in the 1950s. And stood with the scriptures. And stood with Jesus. Didn't go with the liberal social gospel. That that questioned who Jesus really is. I thank you for that. And God I thank you that going into the future. That the church is called a man. And Pastor Heron who loves you. Who stands for the word of God. Who believes the word of God. Who studies the word of God. Who's going to preach the word of God. And I pray you would use him. In this church. And pray you'd help each of us as believers. To, to go outside the walls of this church with the testimony of Scripture and the testimony of Jesus and share it with those who bring, bring across our path. Help us, Lord, to be a voice for truth in an age of lies. We'll give you the praise and glory for what you do in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing a verse or so of how firm